your continue book to page 123 and your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and page 123 in your book. We're almost done with this chapter, and I was told we can't go to the next chapter. Uh, Chris did. Because Brandon Brandon fell asleep at the wheel. Oh, we're having technical difficulties. That's what it is. No. (laughs) So, but, uh, (laughs) oh, man. So, we left off at the, at the bottom of page uh, 123. It said, God's word will transform your life. And I, I'll be honest with you. This truth is, to me, one of the most precious gifts that God has given us. Yes, we have salvation. God has given us salvation through his son. And, and, and I, I, I am not wanting to diminish that at all. But when we talk about being complete in Christ, we have to include the fact that God changes our lives. And he does it through the word of God. It is the transforming power of the word of God that that changes our lives. It is it is not the preaching of this pastor. It is that book you hold in your lap that changes your life. And that's a precious truth. That means that if, <clears throat> for whatever reason, Grace Baptist Church ceased to exist next week, you still have the precious Word of God. It is the Word of God that will transform your life. Occasionally when I have the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, I always, whenever I think of this, I always think of one person. <clears throat> I won't tell you who it is because he, he would be embarrassed if I told you this, but there's a, a man in our church who got saved several years ago. And... Um, <clears throat> We were talking with someone else, a, a third person, and uh, uh, he said, um, "He said, yeah, he saved me." And <laughs> and I'm like, okay, obviously I didn't explain this well enough. <laughs> I did not save you, Jesus. Oh well, yeah, I know that, but you're the one saved me, you know. And 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 uh, so he had just absolutely insisted, and then you know. So since then, he's learned and so on and so forth. But he's not here tonight, so I can talk about him. But (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it is is an amazing thing. You know, know, I've been saved for 40 years, and June June marked my 40th birthday as as a believer in Jesus Christ. And I can look back over those 40 years and I can see the transformation that has taken place in my life. 
In fact, we're, we're even going to talk about it here in a few minutes. But what's, as a pastor, what is even more exciting than watching what God does in your life is to watch what he does in your lives. The maturity that takes place. The changed lives that happen. It, it's, it, it's incredible. I think every pastor, if he's doing his job well, could write a book at the end of his life with all the stories of the changed lives that took place. Not because of them, but because of this book. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> as, you, as you grow in your knowledge and application of God's Word, you will find that it will literally transform your life. Look at the book of Romans. If you're not there yet, uh, it is uh, in the New Testament. Uh, it is shortly after the Gospels. Romans chapter 12, and we're going to, it says Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the book, but we're going to read verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Who was Paul writing to when he wrote the book of Romans? Okay, Romans. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But more specifically, who was he writing to? Christians in 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 Rome. So he was he was addressing the church at Rome. Now, who or, or what civilization perfected the art of torture? The Roman Empire. Do you know the method that they used in perfecting torture? Crucifixion, okay? Crucifixion was a long, torturous death. The, the, a person that, that hung on a cross um, in, the, in the, the biblical account of Jesus dying, he died relatively quickly. But that was not the norm. The norm for somebody who was crucified, it would take days for them to die. Exactly, because what they would do is as they, as they hung on the cross, their legs would get tired of holding them up and their, their legs would collapse. And as soon as they do that, they, their, being their arms were stretched out, they would literally suffocate. So when they couldn't breathe any longer, then they would, they would push back up and they would be able to breathe. And this process went on oftentimes for days. The Romans were master torturers. So do you think that Paul, in addressing the Christians in Rome, it was accidental that he used this wording? Let's read it again. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies what? A living sacrifice. Do you think what these do you think the believers in, in Rome understood what Paul was trying to communicate to them? Do you think it was by chance he used the word sacrifice? No. What does the word, take, take this word out of the verse and just look at the word. What does this word mean? Okay, suffer, giving oneself, it means death. And, and here you have a paradox, if you would, a living dead person. Right? Is that, isn't that, isn't that, the, isn't that the, the, the definition of a paradox? Because you have, Paul is saying here, you need to be a living dead person to people that understood what death was all about. A living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. So, how do we become a living sacrifice? Death to self. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were to walk up to a corpse and, I don't know, tell them that they're stupid, do you think that they would care? They're not there. See, a dead person has no feelings, right? So if we were to be living dead people, how does that work? You talk to me. I, I don't want to give you all the answers. You talk to me. It's not about us. It's not about us. <laughs> Zombies. Jeez. My my daughter of the Bible College graduate. Yeah, okay. I did. But I don't think in those realms, so okay, forgive me. So literally, how do we accomplish this? His will, not ours. Anybody else? He must increase, but I must decrease. Anybody else? I believe Paul is trying to communicate to the believers here that sacrifice is needed in their lives. Some death to self needs to take place. Your next, your next blank here. God's plan for our transformation as Christians is that it would come from 
inside out, that as our minds are renewed by the truth of the Word of God, those truths would then impact our actions and change our lives. Look at verse 2 again. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the renewing of your mind. What just just that phrase all by itself what do you think that, that that means? Anybody? Renewing the re- renewing of your mind. Okay? Garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. Okay? Now, how many of you have, I know Tony and uh, Sharon have done this, and I know uh, Brian and Orlando probably have, and my wife and I have, and I know Jim and Angie just did it a couple years ago. But how many of you have ever been involved in a revit, a revit, my, my tongue is not working. Huh? A what? No. No, that that's what kept trying to come out, but that's not what I'm trying to say. A, a remodeling project on your house. Renovation, that's the word. Yeah. Okay, if you've been involved in a renovation, raise your hand. Some some way or another. Okay, I, I know you have. Your kitchen, okay. Okay. Okay, what happens what happens in a renovation project? Okay, old old stuff goes out and and new stuff comes in. Okay? A lot of mess that takes place in between. <laughs> okay? A lot of dust, a lot of dirt. A lot of discussions, a lot of marital counseling. <clears throat> a lot of money. Okay, there's Okay, so so the, the my um, uh, sacrifice, yes. Okay, so, <clears throat> so the renewing of our mind, how many of you have ever, I'll, I'll talk from my perspective, how many of you wives have ever heard your husband say, oh honey, it'll only take me a day or two? <laughs> right? Okay, <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> My wife, at, at this point in our lives, she just kind of goes, "Yeah, right." <laughs> it takes time. If done right, a renovation project takes time, and the renewing of our minds takes time because we have to remove all the old stuff. And put in new stuff. 
And it does, does that process ever stop? No, it never stops. Just like if you own a house, do you ever stop working on it? <laughs> Even in a brand new house, you're constantly working on them. Why? Because they're, 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 they are constantly in, in, in a need of repair. And our lives are no different. Your next blank here. God's word is to be so much a part of our lives, particularly our thinking, that it is like a branch engrafted into a tree. <clears throat> before, before we go to James chapter, chapter 1, <clears throat> you can go ahead and turn there, but we're not going to read it yet because I want to I read you an, an interesting article that I read recently. <clears throat> I, I, as I was preparing for this, I came across this article in, in reference to Romans chapter 12. And I wanted to read this to you because the author of this article brings out some very interesting points here that I hadn't really thought about. Uh, but he says here in chapter 12, chapter 12 marks the transition in the epistle uh, from the apostles' theological teaching to his practical teaching, okay? The book of Romans, <clears throat> um, well, let, let me read, because he, he does a good job explaining it. Paul did not plant the church in Rome, but he had every intention of visiting the church on his way to Spain. As a result, Paul wrote this epistle as a way of introducing himself to the congregation and to give them an overall uh, an overview of the gospel and what it means in the lives of believers. After teaching the great doctrine uh, regarding the gospel of God's righteousness that is ours through faith in Christ, in Romans chapters 1 through 11, Paul begins... begins <clears throat> to exhort us to godly living. We are to live in light of the saving power of the gospel. That is Romans chapter 12 through 16. So when you read the book of Romans and you understand that the book of Romans is really divided into two sections. One, the first, the first 11 chapters Paul is addressing doctrine. He's teaching the church at Rome the, the principles of the doctrine of the righteousness of God through salvation. The last half, chapters 12 through 16, he's, he's teaching us how to live practically. So <clears throat> the, the author continues. The practical section of Romans begins with a great therefore. Seeing all that God did on our behalf, therefore live like this. You get that? That's an important transitional word. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. <clears throat> the very first word in, in chapter 12, verse 1 is therefore because of all the doctrine that I just taught you, Therefore, live like this. Incredible, incredible thought. Um, 
the first of uh, Paul's great exhortations is to uh, be renewed in our minds. Uh, the phrase, the mercies of God, refers to all of what he uh, had talked about in, in chapters 1 through 11. The exhortation that Paul presents is that since we have been the gracious recipients of God's great mercies, we are to be living sacrifices to God. How do we do this? We are living sacrifices to God by not conforming to the world, but by being transformed by the renewing of our minds. This exhortation really serves as a summary statement of all that follows. A living sacrifice to God is one who does not conform, but is transformed. We are not to be conformed to this world. Paul is using uh, the word world here to refer to the spirit of the age. In other words, world refers refers to the popular world view that rejects God and his revelations. When I first got saved, I, I, I remember coming to church and, 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 and hearing this reference, uh, and I kept thinking about the, the, the physical world. Um, but that's, that's not what this is talking about. It is talking about the philosophies of the world and the uh, humanism and all those things. Uh, as unbelievers, we are naturally conformed to the world. Ephesians chapter 2 Verses 1 through 3. Uh, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in times past ye walked according to the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we are all made, uh, <clears throat> we are, we among whom also we all had our conversations in times past uh, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh in the, in, the, in the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even our others, excuse me, even as others. <clears throat> he goes on. It is interesting to note that Paul says, that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The mind is the key to the Christian life. The Greek word translated repentance carries the notion of a changed mind. So when we are told to repent, it literally means to change our mind. <clears throat> If uh, those of you, it, it is actually a military term, which means to do an about face in our minds, change our minds. <clears throat> our thinking must, must be changed or transformed from old ungodly ways of thinking to new godly ways of thinking. We what we know in our minds to be true uh, forms a conviction in our hearts 
of the truth. And and that conviction in our hearts uh, translates to actions. So as as the truth of the word of God is embedded into our minds, it changes ultimately our actions. <clears throat> Therefore, we must first renew our minds. The only way to replace the error of the world's ways of, of our thinking is to pr- replace it with God's truth. The only infallible source of God's truth is his revealed word or the, or the Bible, the scripture, whatever you want to call it, the word. Transformation through the renewed mind comes as believers expose themselves to God's word through faithful exposition of it each week in church, personal Bible study, and group Bible study. Okay, I want to. One of the things he says here is is he he says church and Bible study, not one or the other. We need the exposition of the Word of God. It is part of why God <clears throat> um, uh, instituted the New Testament church. A solid church, he says, that, believer, that believes in preaching the Word, reading the Word, and singing the Word is invaluable in helping us renew our minds. There are no shortcuts. There is no magical formula for renewing your mind. We must fill our minds with God's word. As Jesus prayed to to his father, John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It is the word of God that we need to emphasize. It is the word of God that will transform our lives. Back to our book. <clears throat> God's the, the last blank. I want to reread this question and then go to James chapter 1. <clears throat> God's word is to be so much a part of our lives, particularly our thinking, that it is like a branch engrafted into a tree. James chapter 1, verse 21. Wherefore, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and received and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now I want to talk about this verse for a minute and because there's a couple of phrases here that are, are important. The first, the first phrase is, is, is a terminology that we would not use today. Uh, anybody know what that is? Yeah, superfluity, superfluity of naughtiness. How many of you have ever said that to your kids? Um, you know, that's just not the normal way we would talk today. Um, uh, <clears throat> let me let me give you a a 21st century vernacular for that phrase. It is an overabundance of depravity, <clears throat> wickedness, depravity. You you know, there's multiple adjectives we could use there. But it's an overabundance. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overabundance of depravity and receive with meekness. 
the engrafted word. Now, <clears throat> why is this word engrafted so important? Okay, it becomes a part of us. It's not, it's not natural to us. If you, if you drive through the San Joaquin Valley, um, <clears throat> there are, there are uh, trees along, uh, what, what's it, uh, I-5, I-5 that runs up through the San Joaquin Valley? Yeah, it's, okay, I-5. I, I used to drive truck a lot uh, when I was first out of the Navy, uh, and I would drive from uh, L.A. to Sacramento a lot. And, and it, it never, it, it, it amazed me. I, don't, I never could figure out what kind of trees they are, but somewhere along that stretch of I-5, between uh, Stockton and, and uh, the, the, um, the uh, grapevine, somewhere in there. It's been too many years, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> but somewhere along there, there's a, there, there, there are just miles and miles and miles of groves. And these trees, you can, you can look at them and you can see where the tree was grafted to a different base. I'm sorry? Yes, exactly. The the I, I'm I I was told one time, and it I have no reason to doubt it, but that the base is from a walnut tree, and they graft whatever kind of tree it is to a walnut tree. They 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 actually grow a walnut tree, cut it, and then graft this tree to it, and then they plant them. And they have orchard, just miles and miles of orchards that grow these. I, I think they're some kind of pistachios or something. I forget now. But you can see them. And when you drive down the freeway, it, it's an amazing thing because you can see where, where the tree's been grafted. Now, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> I, I think Charity said it. It's not natural to us. Okay, the, the, the whole idea of being engrafted is that it's not natural to us. Just as the, 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 the fruit tree or whatever it is, 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 is not natural to a walnut tree. So it's engrafted. Now, what would happen to that, I don't know, we'll just say it's a, a walnut tree. What would happen to the walnut tree if you tried to separate, well, no, no, the walnut tree's in the, the base. Okay, the top, uh, we'll call it a, a pistachio, because I know they grow pistachios out there. Okay, so what would happen if you tried to separate the, the pistachio, that tree from the walnut tree? What would happen? It would die. Right, because the roots would be severed. What will happen to us spiritually if we are separated from this book? We die spiritually. Because the, this is, this, I, I, wish, I wish I had a picture of these trees. Because it, it is a perfect example of what I'm trying to say here. Because <clears throat> this book is the roots this is what gives us life. And if we sever that relationship, we will die. I see Chris back there. Are you trying to find him? 
<laughs> I'm sorry? Really? I didn't know that. <clears throat> but it, I mean, I don't know what kind of trees these are, but they, I mean, it's obvious <clears throat> because, <clears throat> yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I know. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of pecans. Well, pecans have a good root base, though. Oh, okay. See, I, I, I don't know. All I know is that if you tried to separate the two, you'd kill the tree. And you can visit the and, and you can, and driving down the interstate, you can see it. The, the, the bark itself is different. It's yeah, it's two, it's two different colors. It's really naughty and cracked it, yeah. and then it's almost flipped. Yeah, it, it's, like, it's, like, it's like really bizarre looking if you know, you know, but anyway. Uh, years ago, like I said, when I drove truck, I, I saw that, and so I did some research and found out what it was. Um, but anyway, but so understanding this word engrafted, oh, there you go. It's not a super good picture, but you can see it right here. Right here. What kind of a tree is that? Okay. But if you turn around, you can see it better on, on the, the monitor in the back. You can see it. Because that's a TV, and that's this is. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, but so anyway, but anyway, so that that kind of illustrates my point. But let's go back to the verse here. Thank you, Chris. Um. Uh, wherefore, laying aside all filthiness and the overabundance of depravity, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That's what the Word of God is. And when we allow this book to renovate our minds, to renew our minds, it changes our lives from the inside out. I was in a discussion recently with a uh, a pastor friend, and there is a lot of teaching out there that <clears throat> we need to live our lives a certain way. We we should we should exhibit certain things in order for our lives to to be holy, if you would. And I told this pastor, I said, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm more concerned that God does a work in the hearts of my people and that the change comes from the inside out than the outside in. Because what happens when we, when we change because of peer pressure? It's a fake change. It's not engrafted. It's just a superficial fake change. And the Word of God, if it's going to renew in our minds, it's going to be because it becomes engrafted and it becomes part of our lives. 
Let's go back to the book here. There are many ways that God's Word can transform our lives, but notice three in particular. The first one here, first blank, understanding the Bible increases uh, your knowledge of God. We don't read um, God's Word merely like a textbook. We read it to know our Lord better. Um, somebody look up. Who wants to look up Second Peter 3.18? Somebody? Okay, John. John, look up Second uh, Peter three sixteen. Uh, Brian, you want to do Second Corinthians three eighteen? Second Peter three eighteen. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Second Peter three sixteen. Brian. Second Corinthians or three eighteen. Second Corinthians three eighteen. Okay. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3:18 for Brian. 2 Peter. You got it, Brian. Uh, you got it. Go ahead and read it. It says, "But but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen." Amen. But grow in grace. Next point here. Obeying. <clears throat> the biblical uh, products of Christ-like maturity. When we, excuse me, when you become a Christian, you are born again into the family of God. From that point forward, God desires for you to be on the path of spiritual maturity, becoming more like Jesus Christ, as you let the Holy Spirit use God's Word to transform your life, you become more like Jesus. I, I, I read something on the Internet the other day. and I know I shouldn't have, but anyway, I was on Facebook, and a, a friend of mine put up something on Facebook. And I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I don't remember exactly uh, what he said uh, word for word. But basically, what he said is, God is not pleased with you unless you obey him. Okay, that, like I said, I'm paraphrasing what he said. <clears throat> God is not pleased with you if you do not obey him. Is that right or wrong? Okay. Does not God want us to be obedient? Okay. But is he is he displeased with us if we do not obey him? Okay. Okay. What is what is okay? Okay, I'll tell you what the problem with that statement is because the, the problem with that statement is what this pastor is trying to communicate is your outward obedience is more important than your inward obedience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. But what happens? What happens when we're outward obedient, but we're not inward obedient? 
We're disobedient. There you go. We, we become more like the Pharisees here. So <clears throat> what the author of the book here is saying is o- obedience here uh, to the Bible produces Christ's likeness. This is the inward, the inward obedience that produces outward uh, um, evidence, outward change. But when you try to do it backwards and you try to be obedient without understanding the biblical truths involved, then you become robots. God knows the heart. And what is God more concerned about? Your your actions or your heart? Your heart. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. Amen. Who wants to look up Hebrews chapter 5? Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what what does it, what don't you understand? Okay. (laughs) Okay, well, let's, let's turn there. Um, Let let everybody turn, turn to 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen. No, eighteen. I was teasing. I did that on purpose. <laughs> okay, Second Corinthians uh, chapter three. Well, it'd help if I was in the right chapter. No, hold on. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, all right, hold on. Okay, chapter Second Corinthians chapter three and verse eighteen it says, "But we all." With open face, beholding uh, as in a glass. Okay, let's stop right there. Let's 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 take this bite by bite. Okay, what is he talking about here with the glass? Okay, we we would call it a mirror. Yes. Okay. So okay. So that's what we would call it today. Uh, I. See, back then they didn't have mirrors. They would be able to look at something and get a reflection. Okay? So that's what that, that's what this is talking about. So, um, so uh, let's see. But we all, with open face, beholding, uh, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of of the Lord. <clears throat> so, how do I want to illustrate this? Okay, when Okay, when okay, when we okay, exactly. The the point is when we look in the mirror we should be seeing Christ and not ourselves. So the question then becomes, what is the mirror? God's word. Okay, so what? So to illustrate this, let, let me see if I can illustrate this to you simply. As we look into the mirror of God's word, like you would, like you, if you were to pick up a mirror and hold it up, 
you would see your face because it reflects your face, right? Okay. The Word of God is the mirror. So as we hold it up, do we see our face or do we see the face of Jesus Christ? That is the illustration that he's trying to put forth here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Right. So we're changed or we're, we're, we're not seeing who the old man is. We're seeing the new man. Does, does that make sense? <clears throat> Beholding as it were in the, itself in the glass. There's another verse that, that explains it, I think, a little bit better, but I'm drawing a blank on where it's at. But um, is it in James? <clears throat> so, um, but uh, anyway, we, we, we got just a little bit left to go here and we'll be done. Um, so, uh, your next blank is continued use of Bible products, or produces, excuse me, continued use of the Bible produces spiritual discernment. So, the more you use it, the more you're going to look like Jesus Christ when you use it. <coughs> That's the principle. The more you use it, the more it works. Um, as you continue to read, study, meditate on, and obey God's Word, your ability to apply it to specific life situations and to discern right from wrong uh, uh, in sensitive areas of your life will develop. Uh, Hebrews, uh, let's see, let's turn over there real quick. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. For every uh, one that useth milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use uh, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, obviously, the more you use it, the more you're going to eat, the, the stronger the meat, and so on and so forth. Um, and then your last blank here. Uh, always remember that the goal of reading, studying, and memorizing God's Word is not merely knowledge. It is transformation. It is transformation that should be taking place. A growing Christian will always be able to point. Uh, let's see, a growing Christian will always be able to point to recent transformations in their lives that has come about by the Word of God, and that transformation will never stop, or excuse me, should never stop this side of heaven. Let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. 